know every February we do series on marriage, which we call Marriage 360. It covers both marriage and relationships. And this year, the theme is Matters of the Heart. Matters of the Heart. Because your heart matters in marriage. Your heart defines you. Characters are formed from the heart. You are a reflection of your heart. And so today, I'll continue on the subject, matters of the heart. I am doing part two. And in part two, last week, we spoke about the perverse heart. Today, we are talking about the anxious heart. The anxious heart. Last week, I told you the story of how, as a young driver, I was stopped by a police officer in front of the central police station. And the police officer asked me to drive inside the central police station. And I knew that if I drove inside the central police station, I was finished. So instead of driving inside, I drove a bit away from the central police station. And the police officer said to me, you are taking me to an unknown destination. And I panicked, stopped, and begged him to forgive me my sins. Even the police officer in uniform was anxious that I was taking him to an unknown destination. Every journey that leads you to nowhere gives you anxieties. Marriage is a journey. Relationship is a journey. If it is taking you to nowhere, it gives you anxious hearts. Some of you have been in relationship with some gentlemen for over four years. And there is no announcement of your marriage like we have just announced Andy and Jijor's wedding. No date. If you ask him since five, five years he started dating you, anytime you ask him, he says the Lord will do it. The Lord will do it. Not a date. Nothing. If a boy has taken you through four Valentine's seasons, you would have graduated from the university with a degree. So it's a very waste of time. It's a journey onto undisclosed location. I, yeah, 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 yeah. Unknown on, 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 on location. Mommy and I boarded a taxi. And from where we took the taxi to our hotel in a certain city, usually it was 15 minutes drive. And usually those who, um, because I know the African accent sometimes can be, can be misunderstood in the European countries, I would normally show my postcode on my phone to you. I don't even say a word. And then in this particular instance, there was a Polish guy, a guy from Poland, who was the driver. I tried showing him the destiny, so I mentioned it. So I did in my African accent. And he keyed in the postcode. We started going. All the landmarks that we used to see on our way to the hotel 
We were not seeing them. Mommy started saying, honey, this man is taking us to an unknown destination. I said, oh, no problem. Maybe he's avoiding the traffic. Let's give him some time. After 25 minutes, we were still not at our destination. No matter how I was anointed as a bishop, I started having anxious heart. Where is this Polish man taking us to? Because we have heard of stories of human trafficking by certain people in Europe. I was not thinking about myself. I was thinking about my beautiful wife. Because I know some people like old ladies. So my wife is still on the market for some people. She's still very interesting. So I was very anxious. So, so what about if this guy kills me and takes my wife away? What, what will happen? Killing me was not the, 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 was not the one giving me anxiety. But my wife being kidnapped, even in my grave, I'll be weeping. And any time I was trying to tell him we are going in the wrong direction, he said, I know, I know, I know, I know. Finally, we entered into a yard. And he said, this was our destination. I said, no, I don't even know here. Then he took the phone now and saw the code. He said, oh, 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 we are missing. Please, I beg you, any woman here that the man is taking you on a journey, either in a relationship as a fiancé or in a marriage, please check the postcode and know the end of the journey before the beginning or else you will have anxious hearts. Are you here? A man marries you, starts having children with you, no plan for your life, no plan for the children. You are just born in and giving birth and just giving birth. And he said, We are like the Israelites. Please, God promised Abraham he will make him the father of many nations. God did not promise your husband that. Relationship, marriage must have a destination. You must know where you are from, where you are, and where you are going. Are you here? Now, I'm going to show you seven people who will give you anxious hearts in any relationship. Seven people. Seven people. Seven people. But let me go to my uh, um, scripture for today. Proverbs 12 verse 25. Proverbs 12 verse 25. An anxious heart weighs a man down. Even a man, anxious heart can weigh you down. It will depress you. It will create 
worries for you. An anxious heart can weigh you down. An anxious heart is like tying somebody's leg with a block, a cement block. Tying a cement block to somebody's leg and dropping the person in the ocean. No matter how the person knows how to swim, the person will still sink. I want to show you seven people who will give you anxious hearts. If you have not yet gotten married to them, take them to counseling immediately or run away from them. If you're already married to them, let this sermon change them and change you. Amen. The seven people who will give you anxious heart in marriage. Number one. Number one. The pretentious person. The pretentious person. Proverbs 13 verse 7. One person pretends to be rich yet has nothing. One person pretends to be rich and yet has nothing. You're the craziest woman I've ever met. The woman whose husband is pretending to be rich by his poor. And he's living on borrowing. And the husband is supporting because of competition. A woman who supports the husband to rent a mansion and yet cannot pay the children's school fees. A woman who supports the husband to buy mega cars and yet they have no land of their own because he has to drive to church in a mega car for people to see that he's rich but he's not. I've said it here over and over. Any lifestyle you cannot comfortably finance, you do not deserve it. A school fees you cannot comfortably pay, your children do not deserve that school. It is not their fault. It is yours. A man, one person pretends to be rich, yet has nothing. In fact, it is easier to pretend to be rich in an era where fake is celebrated more than genuineness. Christian sisters of today will prefer men who are rich in their bank accounts than men who are rich towards Christ. Are you here with me? Any man in your life who is borrowing to finance a lifestyle, that man will give you anxious heart. Any woman in your life who is putting pressure to measure up to society's expectation, that woman will give you anxious heart. It will weigh you down. A woman who is compelling you to spend beyond your income will weigh you down. A woman who over the weekend will pressurize you for a new hair hair, wig or Brazilian or Burkina Faso or Boko Haram hair 
Now they see me the jayhairs they are selling. Hmm. Even when you don't have, because that Sunday, they must measure up to a certain expectation that we are rich. Change your car. This car, change it. We have used it for five years. Change it. I am a very blessed man. I never change my cars until I am back to change it. At every point in my life, I drive only one car. And God has blessed me. But pretending to be rich, pretending to measure yourself against other people is a clear sign that you are a foolish man. Allowing your wife to compel you to compel you to live a certain lifestyle in order to measure up to their competitor's husband. Please, you did not get your wife into that competition with that woman. So don't let him include you in a competition with a husband. That is why, listen, when you are going to marry, those of you who are not married, Start observing these signs in the lives of the people you are going to marry. Anybody who has a, comp a competition spirit will mess up your life for you. Are you here? I said when I was a poor pastor, people loved me more than today. Why? Competition. Even your own pastor, you compete with your own pastor. Number two, the second person who will make, give you anxious heart is the unfriendly person. The unfriendly person. The unfriendly person. Proverbs 18 verse 1 from the NIV. An unfriendly person pursues surface ends and against all sound judgment starts quarrels. Let me tell you something. <laughs> I know, I know that when you marry, when you marry, some friends must go out of your life. But not all friends. If your spouse has a problem with every friend in your life, that person is simply unfriendly. Because he's unfriendly, he wants you to unfriend everybody. He can't even be a friend to your relatives. He has a problem with every friend you have. Please listen and listen carefully. You cannot make me a version of you because we are married. Who told you the version of you is better than the who I am? I love people. I am an easygoing person. I want to be able to converse. You are the quiet type. You don't talk. Even if I want to talk to you, you won't talk. I want to talk to someone too. You won't allow me to talk. So all oh my words, what? <laughs> hey, I said, Benny, listen. You were created as a social being. But listen to me. First, you must build what I call social capital over social cohesion. Now, social capital are a group of friends 
that you learn from and they learn from you. They pour into you and you pour into them. Quality things. They have certain skills and certain quality lifestyle that you don't have. Even how they marry their husbands. You want to be a friend to them to learn. How they marry their wives, you want to befriend them to learn. These people can also offer you opportunities. They, they, they can open a door for you and you get a job today or tomorrow. They are what we call social capital. They have skills, connections, doors can be opened for you where you can have access to certain things and they can empower you. And then we have those that provide what I call social cohesion. Those people, they are not friends that you expect them to, to make any major impact in your life. But they also, they don't influence you negatively. You watch football together, they allow you to ease tension. I am a man who is always working. So I have these friends who are not social capital for me. They give me social cohesion. We talk on phone. I can spend an hour or two hours on them on phone. We laugh. We do conference call. I'm laughing, easing tension. And mommy respect that space. Hey, you and your friends, you are talking, eh? You and those your friends. Those friends, those friends, if I, I they can't teach me anything, but they also help me to ease tension and be happy. At a point in your life, if life becomes so serious, you die early. This is life, this is a, this is a very short life for even if you live 80 years. So enjoy your life. So build solid relationships. But there are also people like call social crashes. These are people who can crash your life. They are bad influence. And you need to watch them. So I, I will agree with whoever you are relating with when the person says these are social crashes. Take them out of your life. But the person who is advising you now, listen. The person who is advising you to unfriend some people, who are the person's friends? If the person has no friends, it means that the person is simply unfriendly. It is not because your friends are bad friends. No, he is unfriendly. And unfortunately, he's married you and he's not your friend too. And he's taking away all your friends. Am I preaching to you? Please. Don't walk alone in life. I know that your husband is a good man. Your wife is a good woman. I know that you are friends. But don't unfriend all your friends. A woman who fights all your friends. Fights your family. Fights people that have made impact in your life and wants you to get them out of your life will give you anxious heart. That's why in courtship, you need to look at all these things. 
I'll come and take next week to talk about the righteous person. And you will notice that especially the person who fights you for your commitment to Christ, you must run away from that person. Okay, number three, the third person who will give you uncertainties and anxieties in marriage is the proud person. Proverbs 21 verse 24. Proverbs 21 verse 24. The proud person. The proud and the arrogant person. A mocker is his name. Behaves with insolent fury. A proud Now, a proud person is someone who thinks of himself more highly than he ought to. Or she ought to. Married to this woman who feels that all your sisters they don't brush up to her meanwhile she is your creation you made her better than your sisters it is your investment in her life when you picked her from the village who was she when you picked when you met her who was she and now you have invested into her life and now feels that all your sisters are villagers. If you are, it's the same village you picked her from. The same village you picked her from and brought her to the city. And now your sisters are now villagers. And now she's the city girl and cannot relate with them. It, you cannot marry me and look down on my family. You cannot marry me and look down on my mother and my father. You cannot marry me and fight my parents what kind of insolence is that what kind of arrogance is that then when you meet your mother and your father you bow down when you meet mine when mine comes home you get angry you go to your room and close your door are you are you are you, are you serious are you a serious person in life these people will kill you arrogant people will kill you before your time Thank God for mommy's life. She hasn't given me a worry to choose between her and my mother. Hey! I go see a man, son. That she has to. She has to go and borrow money to pay my fees. Sold everything. To pay. And then you come in and then you show her the suspect. Or mommy's mother Eduba. Or Eduba. Joanna Eduba. Joanna Edubia. When I married mommy, she used to carry um, fruit from Latte to Accra to sell. That was what she did to raise mommy and her siblings. And then I come and marry mommy and I disrespect that woman. Won't I be cursed? Do not think of yourself more highly than you ought to in any relationship. There are women who think that they are better than their husband. I'm more, I'm nicer than you. You are even lucky to have me. Please, if you were that, if you were that hot, you would have left the market before I arrived. <laughs> you were on the market, nobody was buying. <laughs> and I came and bought you. 
And now, 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 now you are telling me. I love dogs. I love dogs in my house. But any of my dogs who will one time back at me angrily to try to attack me, you will leave that house that same day. <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 yeah. The house is mine. I bought you. Sometimes I call the boy who takes care of them. I said, you tell these dogs, because when I'm standing there with him, they come to him and start playing with him and they leave me. I said, you tell this dog that it's my money that bought the food that you served them. (laughs) Are you here? Listen, humility is one of the greatest assets you can have to let your marriage become successful. No man outgrows love for the wife, respect for the wife, value for the wife. No man should outgrow it, no matter who your wife is. No man should outgrow pampering of the wife. Women are, oh, I'll talk about next week, I'll talk about the, the man of understanding. And you realize that one way in which you can live and build a very good life is to stop understanding yourself and start understanding your spouse. None of my in-laws melts in my presence. They respect me, but they are not afraid of me. They know I'm a man of principles, but they're not afraid of me. When they come to the house to visit their sister, they are free. If you see them in my house, they are free. They move everywhere. If they say anything bad about me outside, it's because maybe that person has been ungraceful. But as far as I'm concerned, my home is open, my heart is open for every member of mommy's family and I don't deal with them from the position of a bishop. I deal with them from the position of my wife's siblings. It is the same way mommy deals with my siblings. The same way mommy deals with my siblings. No arrogance to anybody. If anybody says anything bad, the person is just being ungrateful. Are you here with me? Let this mind which was in Christ Jesus also be in you. Who, being equal with God, humbled himself and died to death. Jesus had not humbled himself. He is life. He is a resurrection and a life. If he had not humbled himself, he could, death could not have taken him. He took upon himself the form of a servant. What is this arrogance that you show in church? In church, sit here, I won't sit here. Go here, I won't go here. You disrespect everybody and then you take it home to your husband, to your husband's people. Let me tell you this. Your husband is your head. Then I know women who say, "Eh, if they are the head, we are the neck. Without us, the Bible didn't say you are the neck. The Bible didn't say you are the neck. It's your head. It doesn't change. If we reverse God's order in your house, God will reverse his blessings in your house. Fear your, fear your husband. Revere your husband. Sarah called Abraham, my Lord. I said there are few laws in life. Oh. A judge will be called my Lord in the courtroom. Your landlord 
is Lord over you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's Lord over you. Jesus is Lord. But your husband too is Lord. And anybody who uses the title Lord must be revered and be respected. Your rent is expiring. You want to disrespect your landlord. <laughs> or has even expired. You want to disrespect your landlord. <laughs> and you are drinking this way. And you won't give your landlord. <laughs> you see what he will do to you. Please, are you hearing? Listen, listen. This church, this church, this church. If you come here and you don't change, I don't know what can change you. And all of you young ladies, listen, let me tell you this. Get down off your high horse, off, off your high horse, and humble yourself. And start life with people with humble background and build. All oh, these things. I want to marry somebody who has a car. That's your father has a car. Your father, does he have a car? Is he driving? Is your father driving? Maybe I will be man now in the car. Me worry wo. But your wedding, you don't have a car. Maybe your wedding. Now you have a car. Maybe only car. Me worry wo. Maybe man only dine there. Only dine there. Me worry no. Who have a dine way? Show us your father's house. In fact, it is the people from the poor background who are so arrogant. You see. You do that too. Because, you see, when you have a sense of inferiority complex, when you have a sense of inferiority complex, you must add up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You must add up. You must try to do something to add up and to add up and to add up. Women who are beautiful, they don't spend much time on makeups. I'm telling you, Kakrebi no we, Kakrebi no we. The ugly ones, shum, 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 shum. Once morning they will look for like five weeks. Is this okay? No. Is this okay? No. Is this okay? No. It's not the week that is not okay. It is you that is not okay. <laughs> What a bishop. So, the truth of the matter this morning is this. It's a simple thing. I say that arrogance and pride comes from inferiority complex. Some women have outgrown serving their husbands. How? The richest African woman sharing a testimony and says, listen, I still serve my husband. I still put food on it. Do you know that there's a special washing machine in mommy's bathroom for my briefs, my pants and singlets? That she will do the washing herself. She won't let anybody touch it. So she dresses it herself and the rest they iron. But when she was even younger, she used to do all those things. She would wash it and iron it. At that time, we didn't have money. She used to go to Katamanto to go and look for a selection. She would bring it white, 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 and singlet. And come and put it on the shimono. Parazon. She would wash it and hang it and iron it. In terms of opening the genie, you're the sukwa. Opening the genie, you're the sukwa. 
But we went to camp meeting. We went to camp meeting. All the pastors were sleeping at one place. Our wives were also sleeping at another place. It was only mommy that every morning comes to the pastor's place to set my bed. And one day, one of the elders of the church came in, come to visit the pastors and saw mommy sitting, laying my bed and everything. And then the woman said, uh-huh, titi fair. That's why you pamper your wife like that. Hey, well, you are just, you are just gotten married two years, three years. You, you have done acrylic fingernails. And so you, you, you don't touch anything in the house. You want your husband to hire every maid. And the maid too, you made them. You, you have to make sure that, you have to make sure you drag them down. Because you are afraid if they become beautiful, they will take your husband from you. And it is your own shadows chasing you. Because the way you are treating the man, you know that this man, oh, he, he's so hurt. He's so hurt that if he gets another woman, he will leave me. <laughs> Be very careful. Now see, what this is I'm teaching you, eh? It will make you enjoy your marriage. Humble yourself. Take it. And change. Okay, number five. The angry man. The angry man. The angry man. No, the angry person. Are we four? Oh, four, four, four. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Let me go to four. 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 A person who is wise in his own eyes. A person who is wise in his own eyes. Proverbs 26, verse 12. Do you see a wise... Do you see a person wise in their own eyes? There is more hope for a fool than for them. When you marry somebody... When you marry a fool who thinks he is wise, you are finished. A fool. No, I'm going to start a new series called The Wellspring of Wisdom in, in, in March and April on Wednesday evening. I want you to don't miss any of those things. Don't miss any of those series. It's going to help you. When you marry a fool who thinks he is wise, you see that this decision your husband is taking will land the family in trouble. You have prayed, fasted, called him. People have called him. He said, no, I'll do it. He is wise in his own eyes. You know, those people are wise in their own eyes. You see, this particles is colorless. So that I can see you. Okay? If I, if I change the color and make it red, you will become red. You become reddish. And I won't think that it is the color of my spectacles I have made. I will say you are red. And you say, no, I'm not red. I say, you are red. I remember telling a friend how I collapsed. <laughs> how I collapsed. And I was telling a friend. Well, they young guys. I was fasting and I collapsed. So I was just standing there. And then the clouds became dark. Then he laughed. Uh, Kofi Bento, um, Imani, where it's a group of guys where we grew up together. I said, saying that, as Kofi, Kofi, I was just standing there. Then they, they suddenly the class became dark, everything became dark. And then by the time I realized I was somewhere else, they started laughing. They said, The class did not become dark. It remained the same. It was you who collapsed. It was the same color. It was you who collapsed. 
Sometimes your spectacles. Some of you think eh, that your mother's food is the best food in the world. So you marry a woman, you want the woman to cook like your mother. If you don't cook like my mother, you are not a good cook. Let me teach, let me show you why you are not wise. Why you are not wise. Do you know that you go to some countries? See the way we like goats here. We like goats here. Eh? In some country, they like dogs. So when they come and see you eating goat, you are you are yucky. You eat goat. What a person should understand is that. What you grew up on becomes normal for you. So your normality should not, your normality is your normality. My normality is my normality. What is normal for you is normal for you. What is normal for me is normal. You cannot cross it. You cannot come and marry me and tell me stop, stop eating goat because dog meat is the best. Goat is yucky. That can happen. You are being wise in your own eyes. You are wearing your spectacles. Are you, are you here? Your ability to look at things through someone else's eyes, through your wife's eyes, and through your husband's eyes will help you manage your home so you don't give anxious hearts to anybody. You make the decision. Nobody challenges it. Captain Planet. See, see that this thing there? I'm the head of the house. I'm the head of the house. If you see any man who is saying, I'm the head of the house. I'm the head of the house. I'm the head of the house. That man is suffering from inferiority complex. Even if we're a rebellious wife, by my posture and by my performance, you yourself, you humble yourself. You will. Mommy does not challenge me in terms of decision making. She will say that I trust you. Why wouldn't you trust me? I married her when we had nothing. Took her to live in an uncompleted building. Today, look at our lives. She has to trust me. You can't change a winning formula. Don't challenge a winning formula. Don't try to question a winning formula. But if, if we are still living in an uncompleted building and I have not done anything, we have not progressed, my children are out of school, or they are in some school and other things. Now she'll begin to question my leadership. Sometimes it is not your headship they question. It is your leadership they question. The fact that you go to a meeting with your staff and they question the decisions you are making does not mean you are not the CEO of the company. You are. But the way you are driving the company, we have committed ourselves to this company and where you are taking us, you, we, we, you, you, you will destroy our future. So we must question you. That's how it is. Your wife will not, you are the head. She's not challenging your headship, but she's challenging your decision making. And if, if that one too, you cannot, you cannot accept it, then you are a dictator. That is not to say that some women are not wise in their own eyes. There are also other women who from where they have come from, their mother sat over the neck of their father and controlled everything in the house. They want to do the same to you. If you say one, they will say ten. They think they know more than you. 
It wasn't Adam the devil deceived you. It was Eve. And it is still the same. It is still the same. God told Adam, don't eat. We don't give Adam credit. I hear women say that. So when, when Satan came to, uh, to Eve, where was Adam? Why wasn't Eve with Adam? Why wasn't Eve with Adam? Why should you even taste the fruit before bringing it to your husband for, for approval? Not even approval. No, you must chop. I've, I've chopped, so you must chop. Chop, 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 my friend. Chop. Eve was the woman who invited Satan home. Hey, 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 hey. She brought Satan home. Some of you, eh? Some of you men here, especially when it comes to your spiritual thing, don't allow your wives to start attacking your pastor. Start saying negative things about the church. She's inviting Satan home. Opening your door for Satan to enter. He wants to take you from a church that the pastor preaches the word, teaches the word, and you yourself can attest to the father sitting under this man has made me a better man. And yet they want to take you to some prophet. Because they are not yet broken. Their background is fetish and fetishes. And they, so they can't stand the fact that I am not seeing witches chasing them. Oh, some people really like to see witches chasing them. If for one month, no pastor has told them a witch is chasing them, so they should go on a fast. They feel insecure. There's always this sense of insecurity. Something wrong is about to happen to me. Something wrong is about to happen to me. So you try to look for who can protect you. If the blood of Jesus cannot protect you, I don't know who can protect you. The angry five, the angry person, the angry person, Proverbs 29 verse 22, an angry person stirs up conflict. And a hot-tempered person commits many sins. An angry person. Now, hear me. I am not talking about, in, in, this, in this person, I'm not talking about somebody, let, let, let's put aside the hot-temperedness. Let me, let me, let, let put aside the hot-temperedness. Because a hot-tempered person is not as dangerous as the angry man. Angry person. Do you know, do you know the difference? The difference. Now, people who are suffering from disappointed expectations in life are very angry people. Are very angry people. And especially men, they start blaming their wives for their failures. Angry. Your husband just had nine sex with you. In the morning, you gave him breakfast. He ate, was going, gave you a goodbye kiss. The man just goes for two hours, returns home, he's angry. Honey, why would you eat for lunch? Please don't come and worry me. Oh, honey, why? You go there, then he pushes you out and closes the door. You know what happened? He just went out there and saw his friend in the latest Range Rover. So he's angry. You did not cause the anger. It is his enviousness, his underperformance, and his, disappointed, his disappointment in life. That has caused the anger. They are angry women. Also in life. They expected to be somewhere. In fact, there are women who are blaming their husbands for, for where they are. If I had not married you, I would have been a better person. Nonsense. 
If we're a good dancer, no matter the rhythm, you will dance. If we're a good dancer, no matter the rhythm, you will dance. I agree. Some men can marry you and mess up your life. But I also know women who have taken that mess and turned it into a message. There are women who were offered lemon by men, they turned it into lemonade. Marriage is important, but it's not the most important thing in life. So don't put all your blame on your marriage and put all your eggs in one basket. And then when you finish, you blame everybody. Then you are angry. A man you can't even sit down and watch one movie with. You can't even... Toss with bitterness against the father, and toss with bitterness against the mother, and toss with bitterness against everybody, and against the friends who are succeeding and are not helping him, and has this kind of a sense of entitlement. Hmm. This church, the way we are served inside, eh? now that daddy is blessed, he's not minding us. This church, eh? the way you are served, and now that daddy is blessed, he's not minding us. Who told you I'm the one to mind you in this church? It is God. To mind you. We all came to this church to serve God. I came to serve God. I'm serving God. I'm preaching here, standing here, preaching here. I'm serving God. Recovered from COVID and in two, two weeks, three weeks, I was in the pulpit already. Preaching. Preparing and blessing you. That is my service. When I came here to leave the uncomputable, no water, nothing, and me and my wife in pain and in hunger, Serving the Lord and serving the Lord and serving the Lord and the Lord is blessing us and you are sitting down thinking that you are a shareholder of that blessing. You are not. You are not. You have to serve God for God to bless you. You are not a shareholder of my blessing. For those of you who were with me on the wooden structure, I predicted my future. I came with a sermon and I told you that by the time I finish this sermon, my life will change because I'm going to implement everything. I even went ahead to tell you that, please, those of you here, some of you will start envying me in the future. And I jokingly said, I'll buy a car and I'll put a right now the back and find me a home. <laughs> Means I don't care. You were there in the wooden stretcher. Uh, I don't know how time you were there. You heard me preach that thing. Uh, otherwise, you were there. You heard me preach. At uh, the you were there. Until Abby, you were there. Until Becky, you were there. Those of you in the wooden structure. Uh, until Teresa, you were there. I preached I preach this message, a series. And I said, out, uh, why you were there? I said, out of this series, I'm going to implement everything I'm teaching. And then when I finish, God will bless me. So I said to, to them, you to implement it. There are people in church who feel that they should have called a meeting of people to sit down to discuss this movement to this place. They have called a meeting. The last time I tried, everybody had an opinion. By the time we finished, whatever we wanted to do did not have a form or shape. So that when God speaks to you, speak to only few people, not everybody. Only few people, not to everybody. If mommy had listened to people, she would never have married me. There was no way she was going to marry me if they are listening to people. 
So usually what I do is one one, I call people, I say, I'm going to do this. How do you think? I call people, I'm going to do this. What do you think? But the people I don't call are people who are leaders, but don't come to any service apart from Sunday service. They are not in tune with the spirit of the church. They're not a prayer factory. I want a teaching service, and they want to have a decision to make. I call you. Under which anointing and power are you going to sit down to be able to advise me? You come and say canal things to me. Let me finish. So which number am I? Six. So why is five still here? Because the time is no, no. The sixth person is the wicked person. The wicked person. This person will give you anxieties in marriage. Look at the definition of wicked person. Proverbs eleven, verse eighteen. A wicked person earns deceptive wages. Your husband is stealing from office. You're happy. He's a wicked person. He's adding zeros. Some, some of you women will even encourage them to add zeros. I know men in this church who decided they won't do 419 again. Their wives got angry and moved them out of church. How dare you say you won't do 419? How dare you? How, how, how are we going to leave? How are we going to leave? I said, a wicked person ends deceptive wages. So when you are praying against wicked people, you are praying against your husband. You think only a wicked person is somebody in a village who is in some a shrine trying to kill people. But when people's life saving, you use 419 to take it from them and they commit suicide. You are also wicked. And this is what is there. A wicked person earns deceptive wages, but the one who sows righteousness reaps a sure reward. I have sown righteousness, oh, I have sown righteousness, and I'm reaping sure reward. I hear silly people say, and the man has used us to build this church. From where? From where? A man who has sown in righteousness. Will use someone to build this? They say, where is his God? Where is the God that called him? Where is that God? Jesus said, I'll build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Some of those things I heard that God told me, I want you to build me a chapel without raising a single fund from anybody. Without raising a single fund from anybody. Let me tell you this. Proverbs eleven thirteen is down there. You might not see it. Dishonest money dwindles away. But whoever gathers money, little by little, makes it grow. Some of you ask yourself how much money you have made in life, and yet you don't have it. Because this honest money dwindles away. It dwindles away. But those who make money, little by little, little by little. Finally, finally, now that everybody has stopped cry, clapping their hands, let me close the sermon. Now that I'm touching some nerves where nobody will clap, let me close the sermon. Let me close. <laughs> let, me, let me try and close the sermon. But look at this. Look at this. Look at, look at the scripture. Look at the scripture. The lazy person. This, this, this lazy person will give you anxious moments in life. The worst person you can ever marry in life is to marry a lazy person. A lazy man or a lazy woman. You are finished. And those are the people I can't stand. Proverbs 13 verse 4. No matter how much a lazy person may want something, he will never get it. A hard worker will get everything he wants. 
a hard worker will get everything he wants. If we're a hard worker, you're not getting everything you want. It's against the Bible. You must come for prayer. But listen, look, no matter how much a lazy person may want something, one of the key things I've noticed about lazy people is that they, they want the best. <laughs> they want the best, but they don't want to work for it. They don't want to work for it. Dating a guy who doesn't work. Then it's all this thing that there is no job. There is no job. There is no job. There is no job. You are dating a guy who is not working and all he says is that there is no job. And there is no job. There is no job. There is no job anywhere. It is better to marry someone carrying concrete than to marry someone sitting at home, playing games, watching TV, knows everything about football in everywhere. And then you, the lady, you work, and at the end of the month, you find something for him. Then he keeps telling you, life will be fine. And then tries to play the victim's game. He be- behaves like he's a victim of situations and circumstances. My father didn't help us at all. My father didn't help us. Hmm. The kind of house I come from, eh? Wicked people. My life is a mess because of them. Lazy people don't hold themselves responsible for what they are going through. They hold people responsible. I worked for this man for 10 years. I didn't get anything from it. What did you expect to get apart from your salary? What did you expect to get? How did you develop yourself under the person? Proverbs 10 verse 4. Lazy hands make for poverty. But diligent hand brings wealth. Listen. Prosperity, eh? Wealth creation is not a rocket science. It's common sense principles. Diligent hands brings wealth. Lazy hands brings poverty. You can pray against poverty and fast against poverty. As far as you are lazy, your lazy hands will bring you poverty. Diligence hands does not. How many of you noticed that on 31st night I was not in church because I was on oxygen? But how many of you also noticed that by the 1st of January I sent out a prayer point? Whilst I was on oxygen, I was the first seven prayer points for the 31 days prayer. I was developing them whilst I was on oxygen. The hospital called big people in this country. They called my wife. Your husband is not sleeping. This sickness, he needs to sleep and sleep and sleep. Mommy came to me to beg me to sleep. I told mommy, what keeps me alive is work. If I stop working whilst I'm lying on this bed, I'll come and carry my dead body. Let me do my work. Let me just work. Preparing someone. Some of these sermons I was preaching. I prepared them. It was like I was having an encounter with God. Whilst people thought I was going to die, but when they checked my lungs, it was almost gone. Some of the drugs they gave me had to be ported quickly. I mean, I, I was almost gone. I'm telling you. I was almost gone. Seconds from dying. And yet, when they put the oxygen on me, I started working. My laptops 
my iPads, my everything was on my bed. Mommy finally said to them, since I've known, I've known this man, this is what he is. He is who he is. He's not going to allow the sickness to change him. Leave him, let him work. If your husband sleeps more than eight hours a day, slap that man to wake up. Please, but when he's beating you, don't call me. <laughs> Tell him to wake up. Go to work. Go and find something and do. Stop staying at home. What are you doing? I'm betting. It's every work that comes to your mind is a lazy man's work. Sit down there betting. Bet on football. Bet, bet this. Bet that. Everything that comes to your mind that you want to do is a lazy man's work. Not a work that will take you out of the house. I finish. I've closed. Please, don't worry. Don't worry, darling. So, so there's a last scripture. Eh? There's a concluding scripture. So, so if we're anxious, eh, I want to advise you. First Peter 5, 7. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. You can't cast it on these people I've just discussed, described. Cast on the Lord. Learn how to pray. You're already in that marriage. So learn how to pray. Go before the Lord and pray. You can't get out. Learn how to pray. I'm going to, do, I'm going to select one day. I'm, I'm, I'm meeting my pastors this Tuesday. We're going to have something we call a day on the altar. Where you can come here and pray on this altar. Not on top like this, but before this altar. And every prayer you offer here, the Lord will hear you. The Lord will hear you. Cast all your anxiety on him. For he cares for you. It is time to declare your independence from this marriage and start depending on God. I'm not advising you to go and be rude. I'm advising you that you depend so much on the results of this marriage than the results of your effort in life. That's why you feel so disappointed. Put in some effort in life. Rise on your feet and cast all your, your anxiety on him. Cast all your anxiety on him right now. Lift up your voice and pray. Lift up your voice and pray. Lift up.